Welcome to Kingsway International Christian Center Tirona, where we are raising champions and taking territories. We are sure this teaching will be a huge blessing to your life. For more information, visit www.kicccanada.ca. Now, get ready to be transformed by the Word. When he's setting up someone for destruction, is to do what? Isolate them, pulls them apart from a group. All right. And we said that as much as God wants us in families, there are three things that God has determined that we will not find anywhere else. We will not find in any person, only from him. Do we remember? The first one was what? Our identity. We said that you can never find it from your work. You know the way, you know, there are some people that they walk in a particular way based on the designer they are wearing. Hello? Are you still with me? If you are just wearing a random shirt, you know, you just go. Shirt of $10, that's what. You just walk. All right? But if you are wearing a shirt that is same t-shirt, round neck, $500, like nail bar, you know, you just, you, you know the way you walk will be different. You know? It, it has to be different. <laughs> you just walk, all right? If for some reason nobody notices that shirt, you'll be like, all of you joking. You don't know this shirt. Nobody can even say nice shirt. You know, sometimes it's painful. When you spend serious money, like, ah, let me just, you know, let me just take care of myself. Let me buy this shoe. And you just go out and you just come back. Ah, ah. Nobody even saw the shoe and said, oh, nice shoe. Praise God. So we, we have to learn not to gain our identity from what we wear. We have to learn to gain our identity not from what we work where we work or what our professions are, all right? Not even from your spouse. Not even from your spouse's last name, all right? All those things will not give you identity. We said that we get our identi identity primarily from God. We find who we are in Christ, irrespective of what circumstances and situations say about us. Do you remember that? The second thing we said is what? Purpose. You will never discover purpose anyhow, anywhere else. You find purpose only in God. And we said that we don't go about seeking to discover our purpose. We stay faithful with what God has committed to our hands. And as a reward of that faithfulness, God unveils the blueprints for the next chapter. Do you remember that? And then we said the final one is fulfillment, which was just last week. That we get our sense of satisfaction by doing the things God will have us do. And by doing that, we have to think beyond ourselves. We have to think beyond our families. We have to start thinking global thinking God's family. I have a responsibility, not just to my wife and to my kids. I have a responsibility to all God's children. I have a responsibility to serve them and to be a blessing to them. Praise God. So this morning, we are going to be talking about wisdom for singles and for married. Hello? Wisdom for singles and for married. All right? Let all the singles in the house shout a big hallelujah. That was not big. If, if somebody should hear you shouting, you know you're not single. <laughs> Praise God. You know, someone was in the church one day. She, she thought she was in a relationship with someone. She thought. And then they had a guest minister. The guest minister just said, I want to agree and pray for all those who are single and you are ready. You know you are trusting God for a life partner. You don't know who your life partner is. And then the lady just stepped out. <sighs> the guy was confused. Where are you stepping out to? And the pastor said, let me be clear. I'm not talking of those of you who have somebody, you know, you actually are just trusting God for the person. And the girl came out. The guy was there. He was confused. He came outside. He came to drag her. He said, no. <laughs> you, are, you are taking. You are not available. Praise God. You know, many times altar calls are like that. Do you know the secondary if purpose of those calls, apart from praying for them, is for the unattached to know themselves so that less... Somebody just got it. She's like, wow, yeah. Praise God. So today we're going to be talking about that. We will talk about something that affects, especially in our world today, something that affects both singles and married people. And we don't like to talk about it at all in church. We always don't want to talk about it in church. We are too righteous, too sanctimonious to talk about it in church. All right? And I know we have children in our midst. But God is going to give me the wisdom to communicate it effectively. Praise God. Praise God. Are you still with me this morning? For those who are very observant, I don't have my regular Bible in church today. It is for a reason. I have another Bible. A smaller one. 
It means you are in for it this morning. Tap your neighbor. Say you are in for it this morning. <laughs> Praise God. Let's turn very quickly to, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. First, you know what? Before we go into the verse, let me read, let me read two paragraphs from the introduction to, to 1 Corinthians. Yeah, now, the church of God today is an amplified version of what the church in Corinth was. Hello? Hello? Now, the church in Corinth, I'm going to, let me just, let me just read this and then I'll explain. Just listen, listen to what I have to, to read. It says, the people of Corinth had a reputation in the ancient world as an unruly, hard drinking. Now, this is Bible I'm reading. All right. This is an introduction to Corinthians from the message translation. Okay. Does this, yeah. You can see it, right? I didn't write it. Hello. <laughs> Sexually promiscuous bunch of people. When Paul arrived with the message, and many of them became believers in Jesus. Listen, they became believers in Jesus. They brought their reputations with them right into the church. Are you still following? Now, Paul spent a year and a half, just one and a half years, with them as their pastor, going over the message of the good news in detail, showing them how to live out this new life of salvation and holiness as a community of believers. So he taught them. Now, Paul was their pastor. I think if Paul is the pastor of your church, then at least you are sure that you are getting sound teaching, right? Like week in, week out, rev, mad revs. Hello? Not like you just go to church and I just want you to watch your food. Like, service has closed. Remember, eh, that's the end. What was the message? Like, you cannot remember. The guy will share deep stuff. I can imagine the people in Corinth saying, mm, preach, pastor, preach. And Paul was like, listen. Listen, all right? Now, sometime later, Paul received a report from one of the Corinthian families that in his absence, things had more or less fallen apart, all right? He also received a letter from the, Corinth, from the Corinthian church asking for help. Factions had developed. Does it sound like today's church? Factions had developed. Morals were in disrepair. Does it sound like today's church? Worship had degenerated into a selfish grabbing for the supernatural. Does it sound like today's church? It was the kind of thing that might have been expected from Corinthians. Now, the, the last paragraph there talks about Paul's response. Praise God. Now, the church of God today, sometimes you, you are wondering. You see a group. Now, now I, I, I say this. I don't want you to, to, to take this anywhere, all right? All right. Especially, okay, let me not give any especially, so I'm not guiding you, all right? But you see a group of people who are tongue-talking, manifesting the supernatural. Do you know when Paul was writing to this same, this first letter to the Corinthians, he said concerning spiritual gifts, he was talking to them, he said, I know you guys know it already, but I'm just reminding you. So this was a church that was spiritually alive. Hello, are you still with me? So they were a born-again church, they were a spirit-filled church, but they were a sec deeply sexually conscious church because of the culture of their city. Are we still together? And if we will face the fact the age we live in now is severely charged, severely sexually charged, you don't have to go after it. It is coming after you. Hello? Hello? Why are you guys looking at me like what's pastor talking about? The, the, the world we live in, back in the days, there were certain kinds of movies that were not available. They were not even available. You, you have to dig for them as one who seeks treasures. All right? And the control was sophisticated. Today, you don't need movies. All you need is social media. Hello? And you will see toxic poisons gladly released to your mind. It's everywhere. It's in advertisements. It's in the songs. It's in the music. It's, in, it's, in the, it's everywhere. Praise God. So the child of God today needs to learn a few things from the Corinthian church because they dealt with what we are dealing with. Hello? 
Now, one of the first steps in solving a problem is to agree that the problem exists. Believers today need to agree that there is a sex problem in the church. Hello? People are like, this is not what we planned for today. Let's go. Like, rewind. So, yeah, let's go to Genesis chapter 1 in the beginning. It's a lie. We are talking about it today. <laughs> Praise God. It's a challenge for singles. It's a challenge for married people. But that's not the only thing we'll talk about. All right. We'll make it holistic. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Let's read Colossians chapter 2. Let's start with the singles. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. I'll read from verse 6 to 10 in the KJV. Colossians chapter 2 from verse 6 to 10. It says, it says, are you there? It says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Tap your neighbor, say, so walk ye in him. So it's not enough to receive Jesus. It's not enough to be born again. You have to walk in him. All right? Verse 7 says, rooted and built up in him. Established in the faith. As you have been taught. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. Verse 8, it says, beware lest any man, beware lest any woman, Beware lest any doctrine, beware lest any church, beware lest any pastor, beware lest any prophecy spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Verse 9 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 10, it says, And you are complete in him. Somebody say, I am complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. Now, I need you to say this and let you soak in. I am complete in Christ Jesus. I am complete in Christ Jesus. Now, the first point we want to say to, to anybody here who is single, all right, is that before you make any plans to get hooked to someone, you must first be complete. Hello? Hello? You must first be complete. You must first be complete. Marriage is two complete people coming together. Not two broken people coming together looking for ways to fix themselves. Are we together? Can I tell you something very quickly? Can I just make a quick digression? Can I? Let's make a quick digression. Why does marriage exist in the first place? Have you ever thought about it? Why did God create marriage? Why? You never walk alone. Are you a Liverpool fan? <laughs> yes. So God said, he said it is not good for, for anyone to be alone. Yes. You should not walk alone. Yes. Don't put me smiling at the person by his side like, yeah, I'm not going to walk alone. Amen. <laughs> yes, you are not walking alone. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I mean, if you attend a, a wedding ceremony, you hear marriage was made for companionship. For fellowship, for procreation. What are the other ones? You know all of those things. But let me tell you the original reason. See, you know we, we had a series on Jesus in December. Every question that you are giving the answer to God, it has one answer that will make God smile. The other answers, and they are correct. Like all what you just said, they are correct. But the answer that brings God the greatest joy is what? Jesus so when God asks you, what is grace? And you say, grace is unmerited favor. What will God do? We smile. You say, you are correct. Grace is, we smile. You say, you are correct. But when you say, grace is Jesus, you say, yes, 100 marks. Hello? He is obsessed with his son. And he has put us in the son so that we can share in that obsession. Hello? Now, God created marriage to symbolize what was going to happen in the new covenant, which will be the formation of a church that will be the bride of his son. Hello? Hello? Meaningfully well that if we want to understand marriage, we look to Jesus and his relationship with the church. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? And everything the devil tried to do from Genesis chapter 2, and three, where he started distorting, is to 
break the very fabric of God's concept. What was God's concept? Now, we know that Jesus was not God's afterthought. Hello? God did not wait for Adam and Eve to eat. Some people say it was an apple. Some people say it was whatever. And some people even say, it, the, the fruit. have you heard people like that? They said the fruit was sex. I've heard people say that before. There are some, see, there are some information that you don't, what if it was banana? Does it change anything? They disobeyed a man fell, period. Whether it was apple or grapes or, or kombucha or something. <laughs> Praise God. Are you still with me? Now, the devil's principal goal from creation. Now, now I need, we are going, we have so much and we're already going far from where we are supposed to be. Now, we know that the account of the world doesn't begin in Genesis chapter 1. Hello? Hello? Because the Bible says that in, in the first verse introduction, it says, in the beginning, God. All right? In the beginning, God. It means that there was an existence, a person, before the beginning. It shows us what the person did. It's like saying, when we arrived, we opened the door. The first thing that happens can't be the door. Who are we before we arrived? Are you still with me? That means there was, there was a realm that the Bible gives us insights to in the book of Isaiah, in the book of Ezekiel, littered all through prophecy, where there was an existence between God and his hosts, where there was a rebellion and Lucifer was cast away. Hello? So as Lucifer was cast away, his primary objective was that at that thing I am longing for, I'm still going to try to get it. And God showed up. Had a conversation. He said, let us make man in our image. Saying that this thing this guy is longing for, let us put it in a creature. That's why David looked and said, what is man that you are mindful of him? Are you still with me this morning? Hello, are we still together? So the devil from the very beginning has been working out to destroy the fabric of what God created. Saying that if God is going to give all of this glory to mankind, I am going to attack it. When God showed up and said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, the devil was like, okay, we are going to look for a way to scatter all of these things. It came, lured them to disobey God successfully. But what he didn't know that it was a part of God's plan altogether. See, let me tell you, what the devil is doing in your life is dancing to God's eventual plan. Are you still with me? The devil is the only person on God's pay grade. He's almost the most faithful. Because he shows up, he does his work. He causes chaos and God uses the chaos to achieve his purpose. And God showed up and he said, he gave a prophecy. He said that the seed of the woman will bruise your ear. He said the, the, the seed of the woman. That was the prophecy. Now, the devil started launched a two-pronged attack. Now, this background is relevant. Started a two-folded attack. He says, God wants them to be fruitful. I'm going to attack their capacity for fruitfulness. And the seed of the woman that is going to defeat me at the end of the day, I am going to corrupt that seed. So everything the devil is doing in the world can be traced under those two categories. Everything. Their capacity to be fruitful, how does he do that? The very first, if you read early text of the first guys... In creation, the very first definition of rebellion to them was a refusal to have children, to multiply. That was their low-level understanding of multiply. And that was their way of saying we will disobey this God. When they discovered that this multiplication is not just children, then the devil showed up. He said, that seed, we are going to corrupt that seed. Hello? Hello? And what was the devil's plan to corrupt the seed? It says that in Genesis chapter 6, verse 1, it says the sons of God started seeing the daughters of men. And then there was a corrupted lineage of, of beings that were not, there was no way Jesus could have been the descendant of a demon. Hello, are you still with me? Hello? Somebody asked the question, should we go there? Let's leave that. All right? So there was, praise God. There was no way Jesus was coming from that. There was no way. So the devil's plan was let's corrupt as many people as possible so that that seed, let us see where that seed will come from. My genes will already be there. 
That was what the devil was saying. However, God showed up and said, I have found Noah to be righteous in all generations. That righteousness, there if you check the real, real word, it, it connotes a detachment from impurity. What it means that his seed potentially had the final hope of purity for the Son of God to be born through. Hello? Now, I'm, I'm going to say this, and it's going to answer the question that somebody asked. Somebody sent me a question, was it during the week or last week? That why did David's first son, not first son, the first child of Bathsheba, why did the child have to die even though David interceded, all right? I'm going to answer the question. If you go to Matthew chapter 1 and you check the gene, and I'll just leave that and come back to my message. And you check the genealogy of Jesus, that genealogy suggests messages to us. Number one, it shows us that God can use anyone. Hello? We see non-Jews in the lineage of Jesus. We see the kind of people that in a very righteous gathering of people, you will not even permit them to enter the church. There was a prostitute in that lineage. There was a Moabitess in that lineage. All right? And God still permitted it. But let me tell you what you will never find in that lineage. Two things you will never find in that lineage. A child out of wedlock. Even the child that was born, there had to be a marriage for the child to count. Did you get it? Like jaw drop. The person that asked the question has seen the light. The rest of you are like, hmm, pastor is talking to a few. We are coding message on Sunday. Praise God. Hello. Are you still with me? The institution of marriage was preserved. Even though it was in a severely adulterated form where they were practicing polygamy, but you still had to marry. Hello. Are you still with me this morning? So let's go back to the message. I don't know why I went in that direction. It was not my plan. All right. Now, number one message for singles is that you are old. You must go into that relationship complete. And where do you find your completeness? You find it in Jesus. Somebody is listening and saying, I know people who are not born again. I know people who are not Christians. Their, their relationship is wonderful. Their marriage is happy. Now, let me tell you two things. You don't know the definition of happy marriage. What you see on the outside, you don't know what is going on on the inside. You see people who are happy couples for years, suddenly just show up. Sometimes it's 10 years after marriage. Sometimes it's 15 years after marriage. Sometimes it's 20 years after marriage. I've seen a case of a divorce 25 years after marriage. All the while, we were all sure they were happy. So you don't know a happy marriage unless you are the one married inside it. So don't bring it up and say, but they're happy. No, we don't know. I'm not saying they are not, but we don't know. Number one. Number two is... As far as ungodly relationships between unbelievers are concerned, they are in an entirely different realm. Their rules are different. You are a called out people. You are a chosen nation. It is high time believers stopped comparing ourselves to people in the world. It will give you a headache. You won't understand it. David tried it. Jeremiah tried it. Solomon tried it. Why do the wicked prosper? It's because our definition of prosperity is faulty. The wicked don't prosper. They have something that looks like excitement. They have happiness. They can't have joy. They have money. They can't have peace. Are you still with me? So it's a totally different realm. If you want to know real joy, real peace, try a child of God getting married to a child of God, allowing both of them to submit to the Lordship of Christ. That is peace. Praise God. Are you still with me this morning? 1 Corinthians, very quickly, chapter 5. Woo, we have to fly. We have to fly. Praise God. Next week, Sunday, we're going to be having a very short, maybe 30 minutes of teaching, and then we will have a family meeting afterwards where we will present the church's financials. All right? And as a church, I want us to have this culture of doing it every year, every last Sunday in the month of June before we start a new year in July. Praise God. So that we know how much we gave, we'll challenge ourselves to do better. You will know what went to what, all right? And the Lord help us to continue it in Jesus' name. Even when we are in the level of millions, we won't say it's enough. We don't want them to know, all right? Praise God. 
First Corinthians chapter 5, I need to move fast. I'm going to read from the message translation. It says, I also, I'm just going to read the first one and then I'll jump to seven. I also received the report of scandalous sex within your church family. This is the Bible I'm reading, all right? Because when you read this thing in the King James, the King James is such a wonderful version. You know, I was reading First Corinthians 7 in King James. I was talking about benevolence. What is benevolence? Praise God. We will get there. I also received a report of scandalous sex within your church family, a kind that wouldn't be tolerated even outside the church. One of your men is sleeping with his stepmother, and you are so above it all that it doesn't even faze you. Shouldn't you break your hearts? Shouldn't it bring you to your knees in tears? Shouldn't this person and his conduct be confronted and dealt with? Now, this is Paul's attitude of what the church to be. The attitude of the church should be to sexual immorality in the church. He says it should break our hearts. It should bring us to our knees. It should cause us to cry unto God in repentance and say, Father, deliver this person from such. But you know what we are doing today? We are celebrating those people. People show up and they have conversations. They are celebrating, you know, the kind of conversations that go on, you, you will be shocked. You are wondering, are you still born again? You know, they are meant to be believers. They are workers. Workers sleeping with workers. Pastors sleeping with members. It's going on in the church. And you see people boasting of body count, talking about all sorts. Praise God. Temple looked up that what is body count. Praise God. It should not be. It shouldn't be. And we have to say it. And you need to see. We are going to have to install systems that will shield your soul from the poison of, of, of culture that is after you. And don't think when you are married, you become automatically saved. It is a victory. I don't want to say a battle. It is a victory that continues. Hello. Hello. Praise God. Now, Paul made an interesting assumption in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to read from the KJV. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I'll read 33 and 34. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I will read verse 33 and 34. It says, there is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. Let me just use this in normal English. You say there is a difference between a married and an unmarried person. You see how he assumes that an unmarried person is virgin. You see how he assumes? It's just an assumption. You know in the Old Testament, maid and virgin, they were used synonymously. Like young lady and virgin. It was just casual assumption. In today's world, if you want to say young girl, just say young girl and be clear. Praise God. There is a difference. And let me tell you this. With God, God is not a God of second chances. He's a God of many chances. Did you hear that? God's definition of purity, let me tell you, is not someone who was, someone who is never impure. No. It is someone who has agreed by the help of the Holy Spirit to turn a new leaf today. Do you get the difference? It means that irrespective of what my body count was before now. Let's say it is one million, all right? I'm being ridiculous. Today, by my receiving of the grace of God, I turn a new leaf today by the power of God, and then God considers me pure henceforth. Are we still together? So, no matter how, no matter how red or how scarlety or how crimsony your past has been, no matter how terrible you are, there's a book I saw once. He said, um, God loves bad girls. And was talking about bad girls from the Bible. Talking about people like Rahab, like Ruth, like I think Tamar was also in the book. Praise God. And bad boys too. God loves bad boys too, not only bad girls. God loves everybody. Praise God. And he has a plan for everybody. And that's the proof of his love, really. He doesn't condone sin. But he wants us to come into his love. Praise God. Now, this is where I'm going to. He says, the unmarried woman, this is a big assumption, careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Can you see this big assumption? Paul is assuming here that single people, because they don't have family to take care of, the only thing they are thinking of is what? 
<laughs> you see how we are laughing? We are laughing at Paul. And like, this Paul is too funny. <laughs> Praise God. But that is what it is supposed to be. The habits you master now are the habits you take into your marriage. Your habits of study of the word and of prayer that you've mastered as a single, those are the things that you take into marriage. One of the biggest shockers people first have in marriage is seeing that this so-called brother isn't as spiritual as I thought he was. When we were courting, he was always speaking in tongues in church. But he doesn't speak in tongues at home. He prays in church, but he can't pray at home. He reads Bible in church, he can't read Bible at home. You are like, please, I need the original version of my husband. I need my real husband. This is the real me. Praise God. Praise God. So it takes us to the next point. Singles, you have to be committed to service. Somebody say be committed to service. All of us should be committed to service, but there is an extra mile that an unmarried person can go. If there is an emergency at 2 a.m. in the middle of the night, pastors shouldn't be calling somebody who is married, who is going to rattle out of their bed, who say, we need to go to this place, we need to see this person, we need to pray with this person. No, it should be somebody who you know they are not kicking anybody from the bed. There is no child crying as they are stepping out. Are we still together? Someone like that, Pastor, are you going to call me? No, we don't, we don't do emergencies. We settle them in the place of prayer. Praise God. The next thing, which is very important as I wrap up on this side, is that as a single person, as a child of God, you must know your worth. Somebody say, know your worth. Tell somebody else, say, know your worth. Now, nobody is helping you by marrying you. Nobody is helping you. Don't allow, yes, he has, he's from a rich family or she's from a rich home. You know, sometimes push will get to shove. You just look at you say, look at you talking to me. Do you know where I picked you from? I married you trying to help your destiny. And now you're opening your mouth to talk to me. Hey, nobody's helping your destiny. If they married you, they should go and rejoice and thank God. Because they broke out the deal. Hello? Tell yourself, I'm a steal, man. If you are married, tell your husband, you are lucky to have me. Tell your wife, you are lucky to have me. And if you are not yet married, say, praise God. You know the first thing I was supposed to say in this message? I forgot. Thank God I remembered. It is not by force to get married. Praise God. It is a good thing. But don't allow people pressure you. Many people have gone into marriage due to pressure. You know when you're done with school and you have a job? You know the next thing your parents are asking? They are, they are looking at you like there's something wrong with you. Like, don't you know? We are waiting. We are expecting. These are the same people that when they'll see, who is that way you're talking to? They are chasing people away from you. Chasing girls away. Chasing boys away. Suddenly now you want us banned. Uh-uh. Mommy, calm down. Calm down. Is, is that, uh, the, hello, husband doesn't used to fall after school. Like, after school, husband would just fall. No. Praise God. Praise God. So, we must refuse that pressure. We are getting married because it is God's plan for our lives. And it is good. The other thing is that your marriage has a 100% chance of being 100% successful. Did you hear that? We are not paying attention to the statistics from the world. Hey, divorce rate is on the rise. Hey, this is on the rise. No, no, no. Godly homes, Christian families, where Jesus is at the center, we are recording success stories. Families getting stronger, marriage bonds getting deeper. Are you still with me? Praise God. So know your worth. Know what you bring to the table. Nobody is doing you a favor. Nobody is doing you a favor. No man is doing you a favor by marrying you. No woman is doing you a favor by marrying you. Yes, there might be things you are bringing to the table. You might say, by the time we get married, uh, my, my parents had this life insurance for me. I think we can make a withdrawal and buy our first home. Those are good things, but it's not like we have ours because of you. If not for you, we won't have ours. Hello? Hello? Praise God. My last note to singles and also to married people because this is the dividing line, is to flee 
sexual sin. Somebody say flee sexual sin. Now let me tell you, the times have changed. Back in the days, back in the days, I'm talking about back in the days, back in the days. Hello? Do you know the days I'm talking about? Those back days. Back when TV was black and white. Someone like, what are you talking about? Those days when nothing comes on on TV until it's 4 p.m. When you put on TV, shh. Then when it's 3.59, you now see colors. You know those days I'm talking about? The young ones are like, what are they talking about? People that grew up with iPhones, they don't even know what we're talking about. Back in those days, when people were in relationships, it was almost a taboo for you to go and visit the person you were dating. It was almost a taboo. I can see PK nodding there. It was almost a taboo. As you, are, as you are going into their house, you are literally covering yourself with the blood of Jesus. She's sitting there, you are sitting here. If they are studying Bible together, the Bible has to be in the middle. There is room for the Holy Spirit in all that you are doing. Back in the day. Hello? <laughs> but today, let me tell you, and we've rationalized it. Not only have we snuffed out the space of the Spirit, you find people now living together. And it makes financial sense. You know why? Because they will say we are planning to get married. We are planning for our future. It saves us. Instead of me paying rent and she's paying rent, we know we are going to get married. All right? So we are pulling funds. Somebody say we are pulling funds. Let me tell you, it's not funds you will be pulling. You will be pulling things. Pulling emotions. Pulling body movements. Pulling hormonal spikes. And if God, you might just pull children in the process. Hello? 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 Tell them what say flee. Some, some like, what is flee? Is it flea markets? No. Say run. That's the English we know. Run. The church has suddenly gone cold on me, but it's fine. I will say it, and I will say it. Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'll read from verse 1 to 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I will read from verse 1 to 3 very quickly as we begin to wrap this up and we talk about the path for marriage, which is where all of us will learn. Because if you're married now, you're probably going to be married. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 from verse 1 to 3. It says, now getting down to the questions you asked in your letter to me. First, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? Certainly, but only within a certain context. Somebody say only within a certain context. It, it is good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong. If you read that verse in the KJV, it talks about benevolence. Do you have benevolence in your Bible? If you have benevolence in your Bible, you need to get a new version. Because benevolence doesn't help you understand what he's talking about there. Hello? Can I ask you, what is benevolence? Kindness. I can imagine, you know, back in the days, I'm sure... When very holy people got married, they would just say, Hi, sister. You call your wife sister. We have to do benevolence. <laughs> ah, you know, don't buy. people used to toast with Song of Solomon then. Oh, your face is radiant. Use lyrics, guy. Praise God. Praise God. It says, now, let's get serious here. It says, sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. Now, if Paul referred to their age as sexual disorder, I don't know what he would call this age and time we are living now, where there are Jezebels everywhere. All sorts. Now, let me tell you guys. Guys, listen to me. They've studied us. Hello? Hello? Guys, they've studied us. They've discovered that the way we are wired is heavily dependent on what we see. Therefore, there is a culture and an industry ensuring that what we see today will be nothing compared to what we will see. It sounds like, it sounds like a scripture. What you're you about to see. Let me tell you, women are going to look more beautiful. Guys, did you hear that? Hello? Hello? If you don't master the discipline 
to have tunnel vision for one beauty. Let me tell you to every man, there's only one beautiful woman in the world. Every other woman is virtual reality. Did you hear that? Hello? Hello? There is only one beautiful woman in the world to a man, and that is your wife. The moment you see something else that looks beautiful, and you know women say trap for you, when they look, look at somebody who is hot, obviously hot, I'll be like, honey, look at that babe, what do you think? He's a trap. <laughs> if you say, I, I, I think, <laughs> don't think, <laughs> don't think anything. Oh, what do you think about that eyeliner? So let me tell you the answer. What is eyeliner? Well, what do you think about that foundation on that lady? The right answer is, I think it will look good on you. See, it must point back to her. Whether you are single or married. Hello, how many years do you have? Hello? It's a trap. Don't fall for that trap. Oh, what do you think? Sometimes we'll just say, oh, what do you think? People really think this lady is hot. Do you think she's hot? I think she's fair. I think she's okay. You know, nobody really comes near to you. That's the right answer. It doesn't matter if she's asking you in the morning when she has just woken up and her face is, has the image of the pillow on it. Her hair is all about. She's here to brush. I'm like, honey, what do you think? Hey, that breath is the best breath in the world for you. Did you hear me? Hello? I'm telling you now. Praise God. Praise God. God's goal for marriage is to be naked and not ashamed. And that nakedness is not just physical nakedness. It is emotional nakedness, mental nakedness, spiritual nakedness. If there is one person in this world that you can expose yourself to, it should be your spouse. The day you start having things to hide from your spouse, that marriage is beginning to experience rocks. It doesn't matter the little bit of detail it is. It might be someone at work who is just taking an interest in you. Keeps on buying you gifts, buys you perfume today, buys you this. The person just likes you. You're the only person that listens. Do you know as a true child of God, that's the spirit of God in you, people will gravitate towards you. When they have problems, it's you they want to talk to, it's you they want to pray with them. But there are limits to the way you allow people to come into your space, especially when relationships initially start as spiritual, which is why I always say, when you pray with people, you develop a bond, is the fact. If you have a prayer partner, you will notice you are getting closer. That's why I tell people, your prayer partner has to be your spouse. If it is not, if your spouse is not fire enough, pray the fire into them. And if you must have somebody of the same gender, in the meantime, they are fanning the fire together until the spouse catches the fire. Are you with me? Hello? There are things that started as prayer partner became something else. Hello? So if you are getting home and you discover that you cannot declare, you know the way we declare to customs, and you cannot declare to your spouse, oh, Natasha, I think that's a nice name. Natasha, B. it sounds like a slave queen's name. Natasha bought me perfume today. Okay, that's nice. But why is Natasha buying you perfume? I don't know, I just think she's nice. Okay, next week, Natasha asked me, like, what are we doing for lunch? We actually had lunch together. And then she comes and she says, you know what? I'm not comfortable with this. You and Natasha, we have to do something. Ah, what's wrong with you? You are so insecure. Hey, guys, don't do that. Hello, I've given you another free tip. You are so insecure. What's wrong with you? Someone is just being nice. After all, then a, a, a foolish man, permit me to say that, will use that opportunity to spite his spouse. After all, you didn't take me out for lunch. And you didn't get me a new perfume. She'll just, you know what she'll say? Depending on the kind of woman you have. One of two is one of two things. She'll say, okay, and she goes into a shell. Or you will get the treating of, treatment of your life that day. You will get it. Praise God. I'm acting like we have all day. We don't. Genesis chapter 2, 22, 23, and 25. Just write it down. We will skip that. The next point for married people, somebody say, submit one to another. That is what, what the Bible says. I know people have been waiting for the part where I will say, wives, submit to your husband. That is a secondary instruction. The first instruction is submit one to another. Somebody say, submit one to another. And why, why is it important to submit one to another? Because the concept of marriage is a fusion 
that births a new entity. It means that there is you, there is your spouse, and there is that team that both of you have become. Submitting one to another ensures that the authority belongs to the team. I don't know if what I'm saying is making sense. It means that if you have a situation to deal with and you have your way, you might be happy, but what happens is that the team has lost. Are you still with me? If the other person has their way, the team has lost. But when both of you say, we are going to let go of what we feel is the right way, then the team wins. Are we still together here? So decision making is what is best for the team. Not what is best for you, not what is best for me. Are we getting it? Are we getting it? Are you getting it? Praise God. Stay faithful. Somebody say stay faithful. Stay faithful. Tap somebody say stay faithful. Now, it became increasingly common in the last two or three years, the statement that men has come. Have you heard it before? How many people have heard it before? Okay. How many people believe it, that men has come? Oh, nice. We have a nice group here. Or they're like, not in church. Men are trash outside. Okay, men are trash. How many people have heard men are trash, men has come? How many, you know, you know their parents that actually tell their daughters that all these men, they have it in them. Hello? And they will tell her that the definition of a good wife is one that is forbearing and forgiving because all these men have it in them. It's terrible advice. I'm not saying you should not be forbearing and forgiving. But all these men don't have it in them. Yes, it is in our carnal fleshy nature. But our regenerated spirit has the ability to stay faithful. Hello? Hello? And when you find yourself veering off, see, the Holy Spirit has an assistant Holy Spirit for every man. That assistant Holy Spirit is your wife. She picks signals before you pick them. What is 10 miles away, she sees it. Anything she's not comfortable with, my brother, let it go. Did you hear that? If she's not comfortable with it, let it go. If there's someone she's not comfortable with, just be praying for the person. I'm not saying you should keep malice, but let that person go. Hello? Hello? We need to tie this up. We have a few, few minutes. I need to touch this. Now, faithfulness is at different levels before I leave this topic. Many people will say, at least. Have you heard some men say that before? At least. Or some women will say it in gratitude. At least. It doesn't cheat on me, so he's, he's, he's trying. My case is not as bad as this person's case. No, that's not God's will for your life. Where you are comparing yourself, where, you are, where blind is comparing themselves with blind. One lame is comparing themselves with lame. At least I have leg. Ah, you, you still have leg. We, we have knee. Eh? You have knee. Where we, we are alive. You know. <laughs> Let's still thank God. Hello. God's plan is for you to have a thriving marriage with a man where you know that he can travel for 10 years on business trip. Your heart is at rest. I'm being ridiculous, obviously. Okay, our business trip is 10 years. But you, are not, you know there are some women, they, they, they have trackers on their husbands and their husbands don't know. Hello? Some people are like, oh, nice idea if I catch you. <laughs> Praise God. Some people monitor their, they don't trust the person. Even when nothing is happening, the trust is just not there. Women don't automatically arrive there. Sometimes you empower them to not trust you. All right? Fix that. Earn your trust back. All right? Hello. Praise God. Mark chapter 10. I think, let me go back to the KJV for this. And then we will wrap this up. Mark chapter 10. Have you, have you learned anything so far? Have you been blessed this morning? Okay, good. Mark chapter 10. Don't worry, it's just today. And then we will come back to this properly later. We have a proper forum for married and singles. Where we deep dive. Because after today's service, you might not be able to ask questions unless you send them in and you write them down. And we can take them later. But we have a session where we can do all of that and take questions. All right, praise God. 
I said Mark chapter 10. Please give me a second. I'm almost there. Mark chapter 10. All right, from verse 1. It says, And he arose from thence, this is Jesus, and cometh into the coasts of Judea by the farther side of Jordan, and the people resort unto him again. And as he won't, he taught them again. Verse 2. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? They were tempting him. Hello? Now, the law was clear, and they were still under the dispensation of the law. Now, verse 3. And he answered unto them, What did Moses command you? Literally saying, What does your law say? Verse 4. And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. Verse 5, and Jesus answered and said unto them, he says, the reason why this law exists is what? For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. Verse 6, he says, but from the beginning, God made them male and female. Hello? For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain, they two shall be one flesh. That's deep. We won't have time to go there today. So then they are no more twain, that's two, but one flesh. What therefore God had joined together, let no man put asunder. Can you imagine the wisdom of Jesus? They wanted Jesus to say something against their law. Jesus said, the reason why that law exists is because your hearts are too hard. Hello? Hello? Meaning that what Jesus is literally saying here, that the antidote, let's assume divorce is a poison. The antidote to it is a heart that is not hard. It didn't say a home that doesn't have problems. Are you still with me? It doesn't say a home that doesn't have issues. It doesn't even say a home that doesn't have infidelity issues. Jesus is saying that is not the problem. The real problem is hearts that are not soft. Two people that have become hardened. See, there is a level of hardness of heart that can only happen towards someone that your heart has only been soft towards. There is a level of hatred that you can only show only to someone you've previously loved. Which is why you hear of cases where a husband shot the wife. This same man cannot shoot any other person. If the only person he can shoot is somebody who oh, I love you. They've traveled the world together. They've done all sorts. They have vacation pictures. And he's able to shoot her. And he can't shoot any other person. Why? Because there was an hardness. That hardness is not normal. Hello? Hello? Are you still with me this morning? And what are the, what are the top problems in marriages? Top causes of problems in marriages as we wrap up. Number one, money. Number one is money. I can remember when I, I nearly met my wife. We're not married. We're still dating. We're on campus. And then we did a research. We said we need to know what causes marriages to fail. And we need to see. We went out on dates and we spent time talking, which is what I would encourage young people to do singles. Do a lot of talking. Ask a lot of questions. Dig deep into the person. Know what they truly believe. Some people don't really believe in Jesus. You will be shocked. I had a case recently of someone who was dating someone because they met in church. The guy isn't even born again. He sat down one day. He said, I have questions. Is God really real? Did Jesus really die? The girl said wanted to blow. He said, what? Who am I talking to? Someone that we're about to start printing IV. Asking if God is real. So when we have problems in our mind, who will we run to? Is it Mohammed we will go to? Or we go to Buddha? I thought we both were in this Jesus thing. Ask questions. What do you really believe? How do you know what you really believe? Praise God. Money issues. Number two question, sex issues. Many homes have sexual unfulfillment. And Paul gives his recommendation in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, I like the way King James puts it. He says, don't defraud one another. Hello? Hello? And the third problem that we don't talk about enough is family interference. Families. Now, let me tell you, husbands, 
wives, husbands to be, wives to be. One of the greatest ways you will show wisdom is how you treat your in-laws. Hello? Hello? Are you still with me this morning? Their son is their jewel. Their daughter is their jewel. They've accepted you into the family, but let me tell you, you are still being auditioned. Hello? Hello? Every father-in-law, mother-in-law, I can remember when I nearly met my wife and my friends were asking about my wife's parents. Oh, what does her mom do? What does her dad do? Or like her dad is a military man. Say what rank? So her dad is a general. Ah, they say you've entered it. If you misbehave. I remember just before I proposed to her, I went to go and say her dad and to tell the dad I want to marry your daughter. You know every gentleman should do that. You should. Don't just carry a ring and kneel down. No, what's that? Go and talk to her father. Tell the man, sir, as a man to man, all right, because he's giving his daughter to a man, not to a boy. I want to marry your daughter. We ask you why. I'm looking forward to having those conversations you know, for my daughters. <laughs> Praise God. My father-in-law told me to come and see him in the officer's mess. You know what officer's mess is? If you if you misbehave, you are <laughs> you are one instruction away from guard room. Praise God. But you know in my head, do you know who my real father-in-law is? God. She's God's daughter. That's a bigger deal to me than what a military man can do. Don't hurt God's daughter. Did you hear that? Men, don't hurt God's daughter. God will fight you. I know he's your father too, but he first fight you. Don't make his daughter cry. Don't make her wet her pillow in the night. Hello? Hello? But we need wisdom to deal with family. Let me just say this as we wrap up. If you have any issues in your family, settle it. If you can't settle it, look for a spiritual counselor. Ideally, your pastor to get involved. Don't go and men, don't be sissies. Don't be, don't be mommy's boy. You just pick up the phone. Guess what? Guess what? I did, uh, my wife did this. You know what? After a while, you will settle with your wife. Both of you will move on. They won't settle with her. They won't move on. Is you've marked in their book, she's she's disobedient. So they will come to the house. They will first give you the look, the disobedient one. Ah, mommy, welcome. The disobedient one. Hello. Settle it in house. And if it has to go out, get a spiritual counselor. Talk to a pastor. Praise God. Praise God. Shall I tell you when your audition as an in-law stops? Do you want to know? Do you want to guess? Especially for those of us from African backgrounds, when your audition officially stops, is when you build the house for your in-laws. Then the audition has finished. Now, Yahweh son. Hello. Hello. And God will help us to do it. For those of us who have in-laws, God will keep them to eat the fruit of our labor. In the mighty name of Jesus. Have you been blessed this morning? Please rise to your feet and raise your... I know it was not like a very spiritual service. But guess what? This thing affects spirituality. You can kneel down to pray and no tongue will come out because your heart is broken. So it is very spiritual. Let's just thank God for healing in our homes. Let's thank God for healing in our families. Let's thank God for God-fearing homes that we are building in this church. Let's thank God for God-fearing children. Let's thank God because he is addressing those areas that we cannot get to. Those areas that even a therapist, even a counselor cannot unveil. The hand of the Almighty is getting there and supplying healing. Let's thank God for strength and grace for our singles because they are turning a new leaf today. They are turning a new chapter today. They are saying we need to stop that lifestyle. We need to wait. We need to trust God. We need to trust God to see us through until we are married and we are going to enjoy this marriage together. We are not going to have any regrets. This is a home where Jesus is king. And we will enthrone Jesus in this home. In the mighty name of Jesus. For about one minute, just look for a partner. Look for a partner. I'll just lead one prayer point and then we'll round up. Look for a partner and hold their hands. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, as a church, we rebuke every attack of the enemy on our homes and our families. We decree that it will not work and it will not stand. Come on, begin to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
every arrow, every fiery dart, every orchestration of the enemy to sow discord, to sow tears, to sow any form of attack in our families against our husbands, against our wives, against our children. It will not work in the name of Jesus. We stand on the authority of God's own. Our homes are homes of, the, of Jesus. Our homes are homes where the principles are the principles of God's word. We forgive. We abandon our ego. We are able to work as a team. We are able to bring Christ into our decisions. And our homes bring you glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Somebody give the Lord a big shout. Hallelujah.